I don't know if you heard another part of that verse that said, uh, once I dreamed a silent dream. You know, I don't know how many of those you've had in your life of silent dreams when you haven't gotten to the point yet where you can speak them. You haven't got to the point yet where you can breathe into them life enough to share them with others. One of those silent dreams. He says, then we have to wake up. We embrace the silent dream in a way that we embody it, and then we can share it with others, and we can invite others to be awake with us. Awake, awake. How many silent dreams do you need to speak to this community, to your family, to wherever you are in your life? What are those dreams within you already bubbling up that need to find their home and language and be spoken aloud? Awake, awake. In this series of awakenings, we're talking about what does it mean to be alive to those possibilities? And how do we embrace those possibilities in our life? How are we not yet quite awake? And sometimes we don't know. You know, sometimes we could be in the middle of a fog bank and not realize we're standing there. And sometimes we're not aware of it. I spent Surfside with my husband, Walter. I spent New Year's Eve at Surfside with my husband, Walter. Did that come out right? <laughs> and one of the days was really beautiful and intriguing as the fog had taken over the beach and gone into some of the beach homes. And we took the two dogs down to the beach, and I kept walking, and I could still keep seeing. You know, I said, okay, let's go run into the fog. And we'd run a little bit, and we could still see. We'd run a little bit more, we could still see. But if you look behind us or in front of us, we were in the middle of the fog bank. Sometimes you can only see four beach houses down, and you think you can see, and you're still in the middle of the fog. So we're asked to continue to find out how we are asleep, how we might be in the middle of fog, and when we might be awakened, awakened to the new possibilities in our life. Nepo says in our reading this morning that that light is always around us unseen. The light is right there, right with us, until it reflects, even off a blade of grass, until the light makes it visible because of the object, the relationship between the light and the object, till it then shines, and then it is revealed for us so that we might be awake. I know there are lots of things I thought I had it, lots of times I thought I knew, until the light bulb went off. And then I had a new assessment of what was going on. I had a new understanding of what was needed and required in my life. Surely you've been at those places where things are going along just fine and a light bulb goes off. And something has to change. It could be something good. It could be something great. But it's still a change that we have to be open and awake to. Luke wants the light bulb to go off in the readers. The writer of the Gospel of Luke. He wants the light bulb to go off. He talks about Jesus in ways that the revealing of who the Christ is going to be happens in the manger. You know, the revealing happens at 12 years old in the temple. And so as he tells these stories, he's asking us to watch. He wants the light bulb to go off in our heads as we read this gospel account. That Jesus is something to be aware of, to be awake to, to wonder what's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but have you seen many 12-year-olds these days? What's a 12-year-old look like? If you were here a few months ago, you saw one 12-year-old doing a dance on here, spinning circles. What does a 12-year-old look like? Jesus is 12. You know, he's in that period that they call in psychology as latency. Y'all heard that word latent before? He's in that period where things are yet to be revealed, yet to come forward. And so he's in that, that growth time in his life where things can start to shine, but it has to be revealed. 12 years old. 
possibilities. And sometimes we can see that light of what's yet to be. We can see it in them. We can see it as they spin around doing their, I don't know what that kind of dancing is when you're on your back and spinning. Break dancing, thank you. But sometimes in church, smiling joyfully, sometimes we can see that, that light. And it's interesting to then pay attention to it and engage it and wonder what we might do to awaken within them and between ourselves in relationship, mutual learning, mutual hope. So this is from Akila and the Bee, where she seemed to have just raw talent. Okay, Akila, if you get this word, you'll be the winner. Fanciful. F-A-N-C-I-F-U-L. That is correct, and you have won Crenshaw's inaugural spelling bee. Excuse me. Spell prestidigitation. I'm sorry, sir, but this girl is only 11, and she's already won. Mr. Welch, what is this? Prestidigitation. Can you spell it? P-R-E-S-T-I-D-I-G-I-T-A-T-I-O-N. Prestidigitation. That's correct. Woo! Ambidextrous. Pterodactyl. P-T-E-R-O-D-A-C-T-Y-S. Pulchritude. P-U-L-C-R-I-T-U-D-E. Pulchritude? That's incorrect. It's from the Latin root pulcare. And there's an H after the C. I play that clip because Akilah's got all this giftedness. You know, she's only 11. She won. You know, and then he's giving her 10th grade words, 11th grade words, 12th grade words. You know, pushing her a little bit farther, engaging her in this, in this conversation about spelling. And she goes as far as she can go, and then she's not quite there yet. There's still more to learn. There's still more to grow. And I believe Jesus at 12 was sitting with the scribes and the Pharisees, and they're asking questions of him. And he's asking questions of them. They're having a conversation back and forth. The scripture tells us that Jesus is full of wisdom, but it also tells us that he then continued to grow. Sometimes we can be, feel like we're so full of wisdom, we've got it already. Scripture says, full of wisdom, and there's still space to grow. So in this movie, as the person pushes back on her giftedness, and she responds back, you know, she learns. She learns that she doesn't have to do it alone. She learns that there's more to words than the factual letters that she can spell. She learns that they have stories and histories, and she learns that she can be better at it if she learns those cultures and stories and histories and the meanings behind them, that then she can go further. And they have this journey together, and they heal one another in the journey. They learn from each other as they go in the journey of student and teacher in this simple act of spelling. 
Sometimes we aren't sure what wisdom is and if we're in the fog or not. Sometimes wisdom seems like a lot of data to us, seems like a lot of facts and figures. We can absorb a lot of facts and figures, but sometimes we still don't know exactly what they mean. We can memorize a lot of words and may not know how to use them and the depth behind them. There's lots of ways in our life that we can be rewarded for having such knowledge. And what God asks us to do is to awaken to the deeper message within and among all these things that relate to one another, to each and every person that the light shines upon, and to, and to worry about those relationships and wonder about what the meaning is beneath them. Because you can have a lot of facts. Have you ever seen someone with a lot of facts and thought they knew a lot? They might win Jeopardy, but that's a different kind of wisdom than what we're talking about here. Jesus was full of wisdom and still had more wisdom to learn. Are we on that journey alongside Jesus? You know, I know some people want to mash, uh, bash Mary and Joseph as being bad parents, but I want to say that essentially Jesus lived in a day where it really was, it took a village to raise a child. And you knew that child was somewhere out there in that village, somewhere, and was just fine because all those villagers were taken care of taking care of the child. And so here we in this story, we have them realize that Jesus is not in the moving village right now, and we better go find him. And they go back to find Jesus, and his experience of, is not of being lost. They're worried that he's lost. His experience is not of being lost. Somehow, this back and forth, living the questions with the scholars, not having the answers, but wondering in a Socratic method, what is the deeper question? What is the next question? Not having a fact that solves it all, but living into the question of meaning. Somehow that dialogue with those scholars and living the questions with them, Jesus said that was home. What do you mean? I've been here in this engaging discussion and this is home for me. What is the deeper meaning? What are we called into? And at that moment in time, the light shone and revealed more of who Christ was. There was an awakening within himself that this home was part of that village that he was being raised in. And the people around him could see it as well. And then Mary, it says, pondered it in her heart. There's another thing about the Gospel of Luke. He tells these temple stories, but always at the end of them, Mary is the one who carries forward the dream, silent yet, that's going to be revealed. So in your life, we wonder, when do we get pushed back with these questions that we may not know the answer? Can we trust living in the question long enough? And finally, call that exploration home, that we may be awakened to what God calls us into. I don't know about you, sometimes those facts feel pretty secure and solid. God's asking you into a deeper tugging and wrestling so that you may find home in a broader space. So after this exploration with this teacher and this pushing back and forth, Akiva learns that she doesn't have to do it alone and that her village is bigger than she expected and that together she can learn and heal others as they learn and heal her. And I want you to see some of the results of that work together. Pulchritude. Pulchritude.
it's derived from the Latin word pacer, meaning beautiful, isn't it? That's correct. P U L C H R I T U D E Pulchitude. I love the way the filmmakers took each letter to represent a story. These are all my coaches. This is my whole family. This is my village in which I've learned how to live more deeply into what it means, what this words and this language and this journey is to win this spelling bee. It's interesting, as a part of that journey, what she also learned was there didn't have to just be one winner. And so she found someone who challenged her just as much, and they went back and forth the whole way through till they ran out of words to put before them. And they both ended up being winners of the spelling bee. It didn't have to be one or the other, a life lesson. I don't know about you, but as I read Reverend Kristen's letter in the bulletin today and this week, some things jumped out at me, and one of them was, my life development would take place right along yours. As we go on these journeys together, as we interrelate with one another, as we create our village together and learn from one another, certainly we hope each of our own life development is moving forward and getting awakened to what is next for us. I thank her for that beautiful letter and for her seven years with us and for listening to God with us and within her own heart. This being filled with wisdom thing doesn't mean we're done. We're called to grow in wisdom and stature and favor, as the scripture says. We all have the right stuff. We all have the raw gift. We all have the capacity. And this awakening story invites us to remember the village. Remember that we don't have to do it alone. Remember that each and every one is our teacher, as we are each and every person's teacher, that we may grow together. The lesson, one of the lessons I believe Jesus learned from this encounter, where he did not feel lost, but that others were concerned for him. So I want to fast forward 20 years later where he's a traveling preacher. And in that traveling preacher, he tells the story of what it's like to have a God, a father, a parent who searches for you. He tells the story of a prodigal child that's lost. A lost coin and a lost sheep. And he tells it from the perspective, not of the person lost, but from the perspective of the one searching. What does it mean that in that little encounter where he was found, that God continues to search and find us right where we are? May we stay wrestling with the questions until God finds us. And may we name it home. In Christ's name, amen.